As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. We are in the offseason, but it is time to finally do a recruiting uh, roundup, sort of get you guys up to date on everything that has been going on on the Tar Heel football recruiting trail. And for the first time in a while, Zach Hubbard is alongside of me. Uh, first of all, buddy, how, how you been, man? It's been a while since you've been on here. We've been uh, really focused on some of the uh, the, the offseason storylines for the Tar Heels, a lot of spring ball. But finally, we get to get back into some of this recruiting stuff with the dead period getting ready to be lifted here at the start of June. Yeah, glad to be back. Obviously, it's been a little bit of a quiet time as we've waited for everything to start back up here. Um, but, you know, moving forward into the month of June, we should see uh, what should be a fair amount of activity here on the recruiting front. Yeah, exactly. With with the recruiting dead period being lifted, a lot of official visits are getting ready to take place, and the Tar Heels are one of those teams that are going to see a lot of action here early and often in the month of June. Uh, it'll start with an unofficial visit, but one that is going to be big, which is uh, five-star offensive tackle Zach Rice on June 1st is going to be uh, the first guy that'll be on campus. Um, and, and you know, again, it's unofficial, so it, it won't be um, quite, you know, what they do with some of the other guys when they'll uh, go around for their official visits, but it's still going to be 
one of the first guided tours that they're going to be giving uh, to a recruit in a while. So uh, that one's definitely huge. And then um, you're talking about you know that first weekend. Uh, you've got five-star cornerback Jaden Lucas who will be there on June 4th. Jake Pope, the four-star safety from the state of Georgia, will be there that weekend as well, June 4th through 6th. And Sebastian Cheeks, the four-star outside linebacker that they offered out of the state of Illinois, will also be on campus. And there are a bunch of targets that are going to be on campus throughout, including guys like Andre Green, the four-star wide receiver out of the state of Virginia. Uh, you've got Dalen Everett, of course, who plays for IMG Academy, but formerly of the state of Virginia uh, as well, who's going to be on campus. And a couple other big in, in-state names that will also be on campus uh, over, you know, throughout the month. So, you know, when you look at, at things opening back up and the Tar Heels getting a lot of these official visits out of the gate, I think, you know, one of the things that I took away from it the most out of anything was that you're seeing a lot of big names that are making it a priority to get to Chapel Hill. And, and boy, that's a much different feel than what you had under Larry Fedora. I think so, absolutely. And I think if you look through a good majority of the prospects that you mentioned, a lot of them are from out of state. So that's not even not even for mentioning, you know, probably a good portion of the in-state guys that would be able to get on campus. Maybe they haven't announced a date, but that mm-hmm. will just be able to swing through um, during the month of June, if not once, then, you know, perhaps twice or a few times. So definitely building sort of um, you know, that greater recruiting momentum, which I think you'll see in a lot of places along the, the uh, country in June. But like you mentioned, you know, ton of guys that they have coming in for official visits in the month of June, the majority of these guys from out of state. And we're seeing a little bit of a resurgence of guys that might be outside of the typical recruiting footprint that we've discussed uh, for Mac Brown's coaching staff. Generally, we've discussed North Carolina, of course, uh, definitely Virginia, specifically the Tidewater area, and a little bit into South Carolina and into Tennessee. Uh, but you're seeing, you know, a few more guys come out of Georgia. You're seeing guys come out of Florida that are coming up and having that interest and, um, you know, wanting to see what Carolina has to offer. And I think that's just a continued expression of North Carolina becoming this national brand. Um, someone that's able to, you know, have interest with kids, not only in your North Carolinas or Virginias, but in Florida, in Georgia, potentially in Texas, in California, uh, even having a guy coming in all the way from Nebraska uh, to take an official visit here. So, you know, really just a good sign for what uh, Matt Brown and his Tar Heel staff are building there in Chapel Hill. Yeah, I think, you know, you pointed out uh, Caden Helms, the tight, the three-star tight end from the state of Nebraska. Um, I touched uh, really quickly there on uh, the outside linebacker, Sebastian Cheeks, the four-star from Illinois. These were two guys that the Tar Heels just recently offered and almost immediately became contenders for in terms of landing official visits. Now, you know, it is tough to sort of determine how good of an opportunity the Tar Heels have to land either one of these guys, but the fact that the Tar Heels are on the official visit schedule, I think kind of shows you uh, just, you know, how 
big this recruiting footprint has sort of become um, for the Tar Heels. And, and, and I think, as you mentioned, you know, you're seeing them, you know, not only go into, uh, you know, the states of Georgia and Florida, which are areas that, you know, Carolina has, has been to before. Those were areas that Larry Fedora and his staff really did a good job of recruiting. So they do have some history there. But, yeah, you're starting to see them go into the middle of the country. And if they can start to get into some of those states uh, like Texas, like California, even on the West Coast, um, which will be tough, but you know they're starting to show that they've got that national footprint, and people are starting to recognize that you know Mac Brown and the staff that he's got in place are doing special things here. Of course, I think they'll be you know again they'll do their homework really on the guys that are close around here uh, to you know the Carolinas, uh, of course, into Virginia, um, an area that they've recruited heavily for years, um, and then you know I think Georgia is going to become one of those ones that's going to always be in the rotation, but uh, I do feel like they are going to be willing to extend outside of that and recruits outside of that footprint are going to be willing to listen, where in the past, you just really didn't have the opportunity. I mean, you could get the rare one or two guys. I feel like now, you know, especially, I I think you know, another guy that shows it, and and Carolina didn't land him, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more uh, about him in this position group uh, going forward uh, later on in the show, but Braden Locke was a guy out of the state of Texas who, you know, even as a three-star, he was a guy that will probably end up, you know, either either a high-end three-star or borderline or or, or a low-end four-star. Um, and he's a guy in the state of Texas that, you know, did a lot of winning down there. Um, he, he's one of the more talented guys and a guy that a lot of people think can end up becoming a really good quarterback uh, at the college level. Carolina was in the running for him, and, and it was with him only taking, uh, you know, a couple of visits to campus. I know he was there for the spring game. I'm not sure if he had even been there before then. Um, and Carolina was right in the hunt for him. So I think it continues to show that. You know, I got I sent you the list over. Uh, you know, when we were getting ready, when we were laying out this podcast, and you know, there's, uh, you know, I think the big question is, is there's so many different prospects here um, that are, you know, big name prospects or ones that Carolina could definitely use. There are some positions in need here that Carolina needs to address in this class. Uh, so, you know, when you look at these visits, which of these three visits would you label the most important from this group? I think in terms of the three visits that I would label the most important, I would more likely than not just have to go with who's the highest ranked on the board just in terms of composite rankings. And that would be five-star cornerback Jaden Lucas that you mentioned at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, five-star cornerback uh, Dalen Everett, and then five-star um, offensive tackle Zach Rice. I mean, there are, as you mentioned, there are more specific positional needs to meet, but I think really uh, with all of these guys, there is never enough talent that you can have on the roster. You could always have more talent. I think that all three of these guys sort of speak to that, and it, it's really just about taking that next step uh, in terms of going from a divisional contender to a conference contender to a national contender. Uh, to start out just with the corners, like you mentioned, I mean, you look at the, even in you know the first year of his college career, the success that they had with Tony Grimes, you have that sort of to sell on the recruiting trail. You have the, you know, you can sell the development of 
a Dre Bly as we've seen success in that cornerback room. And, you know, you look around the league, you see that um, college football offenses are getting more pass-oriented, they're getting more explosive, and that puts a uh, premium value on those cornerback positions and on elite athletes at the cornerback position. Now, moving on really to who I'd have as most important, that's got to be Zach Rice. Uh, in my opinion, and it could be one visit, it could be the June 1st unofficial visit, and it could be followed by an official visit later in that month of June, but I think you look at the Tar Heel roster, you look at how they've recruited over the past few years, they've recruited elite talent at really every position on the roster, they've been recruiting to rival some of the big boys that we see within the college football landscape, but I, I think that one position that we've mentioned before uh, probably the one position that needs the most work in terms of talent infusion would be that offensive line room. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we like the guys that they have, but in terms of getting those elite, elite guys, we've sort of seen one or two guys in that upper echelon, that five-star, high four-star range that they've added to the different position groups. Offensive line is really uh, the last one that we've been waiting on. And, you know, having a guy like that, uh, having a guy with such a, an elite athletic pedigree, a guy that would come in and, you know, potentially compete for playing time immediately um, in the offensive line rotation, uh, it, it, it's hard to find a visit that's more important just because of the skill of the player as well as the positional game. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely got to be up there. I, I think you're right. I think that's one of the positions that we've really looked at hard it, it, when it comes to the needs in this class, mainly because, I mean, you look at the fact that you are more than likely going to lose Jordan Tucker. Um, you don't really know because, of course, with the COVID year um, from this past year, guys will be making decisions after their careers are over uh, or, or after their careers would normally be over, I should say. Um, Um, as to whether or not they want to use that extra year. So he'll be listed as a senior on the roster this year. It's not like they have to make their decision before the start of this year, as far as we know, unless that's something that's put in place uh, over the next couple of months. But um, he probably will have the option to come back. But you would think, you know, with what we've seen from him, a guy that's developed over time, he's probably going to end up uh, going on and and, and pursuing an NFL career. Same thing with Marcus McKeith. And I think that's more the thing is that, you know, Carolina definitely needs some talent down there. And, I mean, this this spring was big for them. They did find some guys uh, that can help them that are probably going to be, uh, you know, the future at that position. But when you look at an area that Carolina – you know, needs to sort of, you know, address the talent level to be able to compete with some of those bigger name teams that are going to be on the schedule, even this year, you know, against Notre Dame again. It's that offensive line spot. So uh, I I definitely think that Rice uh, has to be far up, you know, pretty far up there. I think the fact that it's unofficial is one of the reasons why people will sort of, you know, push that one to the back burner just a little bit. Um, I think you're, you're spot on with the corners. I think both of those guys are huge targets. They've both been pointed out multiple times by the coaching staff. Um, you know, that not not by name, but you can tell that they are um, you know pretty high valued uh, you know prospects. And, and pretty much every time that you get updates on this recruiting class, those are you know two guys that everybody is looking for. Uh, and to see both of them get on campus, uh, they'll be you know on campus within um, three weeks of each other is huge. Um, I think 
you know, when you when you look at the two, um, you know, with with, with Everett, um, you know, he's got a little bit more of, of a, a of a broader list, I think, right now. I, like, I, I feel like Carolina is definitely, um, you know, a team that's got a legitimate shot here. Um, but I I think the thing is, is that you know there are a couple of different teams that Carolina's got to be aware of. Where when it comes to Jane and Lucas, it feels like this is pretty much. Clemson and you know who is that team that's going to come from behind is it Carolina is there another team like Georgia that emerges and makes that push um it feels like you know he's he's pretty much got his favorite and it's it, it can can somebody claw back from behind where with Everett it's a little bit different so you know it's it, the, that's a long way of saying that it's going to be two different recruiting pitches that uh, the staff is going to have to have when these guys are on campus for their official visits it'll be interesting to see um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about those two you know the the, the battle um, you know that the staff is going to have for both Lucas and Everett and you know what guy you'd want you know more coming up here in just a second but uh, I think you know both of those guys are pretty huge um I uh, you know so I I you know out of the two of them because I thought I would pick one of them and go you know somewhere else with it I would say you know the bigger of the two is Everett just because of you know they're they're not really being a clear leader for him. I, I feel like that sort of allows Carolina to, if they have a really great visit, maybe establish themselves as the leader. Which I mean, you know, for a while, yeah, this dude playing at IMG Academy down in Florida. That's a spot where Carolina has, uh, believe it or not, they have never landed a recruit out of there, which shocked me because they've been in the running for a few guys from that that have go- eventually gone down there. Um, but usually when they get down there, they're not able to hold on to their recruitment. Or if they're in the thick of it, there's a different team that enters, and all of a sudden Carolina sort of you know gets pushed back a little bit, and somebody else eventually takes over and lands that commitment. With Everett, it, it's kind of been the opposite. He was you know a guy that was all when he was in Virginia, but Carolina has made some really good progress since he has been down uh, at IMG Academy. That's one that Dre Bly has really made a push for. So uh, I, I think that he's probably the bigger of the two corners when it comes to uh, the most important. Um, I have Jay Pope on there as well, an extremely important one, just because Jay Bateman has talked so much about how he really likes his fit in this defense. I think that you know you can't really go wrong with him or the the guy that Carolina re-entered the race for, Sherrod Koval out of Virginia. Um, you know, either one of those guys I think would be good fits, but it feels like from you know hearing what people have said that Jay Bateman really, really likes Jake Pope's fit in his defense. So I think getting him on campus, doing it early as well, that'll be the first visit, first official visit that Jake Pope takes uh, is definitely huge for Carolina as they try to establish their, you know, their spot in the pecking order uh, when it comes to yet another packed recruitment uh, for Jake Pope. And, uh, you know, the other one I put on there was Caden Helms, the tight end out of Nebraska. Um, you know, one, Carolina is is going to get one of the last swings at him when it comes to the month of June and the official visits in, in this month. And, um, you know, I think the other thing, this is another position where it seems like there is a need here because, 
You're going to lose Garrett Walston. Um, you didn't land a tight end in this past recruited in, in this uh, past class. So you know now you, you've sort of got a. I'm not going to say it's 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 a must have because you're still in pretty good shape. Kamari Morales, uh, you know, showed some things this spring that a lot of people liked. Uh, you still got John Copenhaver who had his moments and flashes in the spring, according to people uh, that were out there, and and Kendall Carr is still on the roster, but you still want to have the depth here and you can't really afford to go two years without landing a tight end because then you're, you're sort of put into a position where you're going to have to go into the transfer portal to land some guys in future years. So I feel like this one's a pretty big one for Carolina because if you take a look at the rest of the tight ends in this class, it kind of feels a little bit like this 2021 recruiting class that we just wrapped up where there was a guy or two that Carolina was in the running for, but they could never really get their footing. And now that I think about it, they did land Bryson Nesbitt. I don't know how that slipped my mind there, but you do have Bryson Nesbitt coming in, but I still feel like it's a position where you want to be able to land at least one or two guys. And I think the biggest thing uh, with with Nesbitt is, is you know, you, you're still not exactly sure what he's going to be as a tight end because he is so raw. He was a guy that played basketball for most of his high school career and then really made the the shift to playing football uh, prior to his junior year. So you don't know uh, if he's going to turn into a guy that's going to you know try to keep the weight off, be a receiving tight end for you, which is still something Carolina has been looking for, or if he's going to be able to put on that weight and become the blocking tight end that you want to see. I mean, he looked a lot better as a blocker this year than a year ago, but you're still not sure that that's exactly what he's going to be. So, um, you know, th- those are the ones that I look at. A lot of really great visits um, coming up, and we'll we'll make sure to put out that list for you guys uh, as we get a little bit closer to the start of June, just in case you guys are under unaware of the visits that are scheduled to take place. There are a ton of them, uh, and uh, Carolina in really good position uh, to you know compete for a lot of these guys that will be coming on campus throughout the month of June. So we move on to uh, some recruiting questions. You know, we've done the true false. I think this one will be a little bit more open ended. It won't be uh, you know true or false, and you know in terms of statements. So it's going to be more of questions, a little bit more open ended, as I mentioned to be able to sort of gauge where Carolina is at in the 2022 cycle. All these questions are in the 2022 class. We're not really extending any fur, you know, any further out because I think it's really tough to, you know, go any any further at this point. I think maybe in the 2023 class you're looking at maybe a guy like Caleb Downs, of course, the brother of, of Josh Downs, uh, the nephew of, of Dre Bly. But other than that, I, I feel like you know, the focus right now is on the 22 class, uh, and and a lot of guys are, are, are still you know taking their time here with the official visits opening back up, but still a chance for Carolina to do some damage over the next couple of months. And you know, the first question I'll ask you, Zach, is with the Toriels missing out on Braden Locke, uh, the quarterback prospect out of the state of Texas who we just talked about, is it safe to say that the Toriels will not be landing a quarterback in the 2022 cycle? I don't agree with that necessarily. I don't think that it's safe to say that there's not going to be a quarterback just because there's still so much time in this recruiting class. Um, I mean, we're, we're barely here into the summer before senior season. So, I mean, you're, you're going to have guys that are going to play this fall and might have 
you know, an explosive season might get recognized. And uh, you also have camp season over the summer, likely in June, where they're going to have guys on campus and they're going to try them out and, you know, see sort of what's going on there in terms of what their attitude is uh, to earn a scholarship offer at the Power 5 level. Um, In terms of sort of the type of quarterback that they want to take in uh, 2022, it's likely more of a mental guy, not necessarily a prospect that they, you know, expect to come in and compete day one for starting minutes, a guy that they can put in the program and develop and can learn the offense. Um, that's sort of what you've seen is that they've, you know, they, they've gotten really the main, the big blue chip guy, and then they've gotten other guys to supplement that to make sure there is a continual process of, um, you know, both talent and experience in the room. And I think you look at, um, I know what you mentioned, not to look too far ahead into 2023, but they'd want to mention quarterback that they already have on the radar here in state for 2023 in Tad Hudson out of uh, high school in Cornelius. So, you know, they have options. They just got Drake May. You know, they've got a guy that they're really kind of honing in on for 2023. And there's plenty of time for them to continue to recruit quarterbacks. So I don't think that it's safe to say that they won't have a quarterback in 2022. Even if they don't, I don't think it's going to be a huge deal. I think that's that's the biggest thing. Now, I do think there is an element to this that will determine whether or not this becomes a big deal, and that's if they do keep all four quarterbacks in that room because that was one of the main things that Mac Brown pointed out when it came to, you know, this spring and, and that quarterback spot. You know, a lot of people were asking about Jacoby Criswell. Drake May, that battle, they had a backup quarterback, but he made sure to mention that you still have Jefferson Boaz back there as well, and that they do want to keep all four guys going forward. Now, of course, I I do think that Carolina would like to add a quarterback here because I think in, and, and Mac Brown has said it multiple times, and I think just about everybody that's on campus, all that, you know, all the fans, pretty much everybody believes that Barring something stunning, Sam Howell will be gone after this season is over. So it, that leaves you with three if you can keep all the guys. I think that's you know still a pretty good room. I think that might still allow you to hold on for another year and, and, and say, okay, we can just wait until the 23 cycle, maybe get one of those big names uh, from in-state, maybe even go out of state and land a guy as well. There, I mean, there's a couple guys that uh, Carolina has already gotten, uh, you know, offers out there too um, you know one of them being Arch Manning who will more than likely be one of the top players in the country I mean right now he's the number three player in that cycle and not saying that Carolina has an opportunity to land him um, you know it's it's still early for him and he's a guy that is going to be one of the most sought after quarterback prospects in a very long time being the son of Cooper Manning of course from the Manning family so um but yeah, no, I, I think that's going to be one of the big factors. Do one of the trio of Criswell, May, uh, or Boaz look elsewhere? If they do, I think then that sort of puts a little bit more pressure on them to land a quarterback. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. I think it's it's maybe too early to say that they are 
out on a quarterback in this class. But I would say if, if I had to right now, if you asked me right now if I thought they would land a quarterback in this class, I would say no. Um, and, and, and look, it's not for a lack of trying. I mean, they had two guys that they really felt were – Good fits in their offense if they could get them in uh, in Cade Klubnik and and Brandon and Braden Locke, uh, excuse me, and you know what didn't work out with either one of them. You know Carolina made a push more so with Locke uh, Klubnik. I think you know look if if Clemson doesn't enter the race, maybe Carolina has a, a fighting chance. But pretty much, we everybody knew when Clemson entered the race that that race was over. So, um, you know, Carolina they they tried their hand. There weren't a ton of guys in this class, especially in state. This this was a pretty light class in 2021. Um, and, and I think you know the other part of that is the fact that you know Carolina wasn't able to have as many guys on campus as they were in the past. Sometimes you'll you know bring some of these in-state guys on campus. You'll find out that you really like a guy, even though he really isn't that highly rated. You didn't really have that aspect this year. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think, like you said, I think there will be some guys that they're keeping an eye on. There's a couple of prospects in state. Um, you know, one guy that I think, you know, is a name to keep an eye on as, as we go forward here as they go into the fall that could emerge is a guy that plays here in, in, in the Charlotte area close to me, uh, Lucas Lenoff out of Myers Park High School. That's the same place, of course, that Drake May came from. Uh, he came over from the state of California and had a pretty successful junior season here in the spring. Now he's going to come back. Uh, should is expected to play his senior year here as well. So he could be one of those guys to keep an eye on uh, if you're looking for an in-state prospect that could emerge. But I still think that there is a chance they could land one. I just don't I, – I, as of right now, I would not uh, bank on it at this point. Um, you know, So we'll move on to the next question. The Tar Heels appear to be in a good standing with the trio of uh, George Petaway, uh, you've got uh, Amorian Hampton and Michael Allen, all in, uh, or all guys that are either in the Tidewater area or in state, right in that recruiting fr- footprint. And then, as you mentioned, there's uh, you know the, Georgia is considered just outside of the recruiting footprint, but you got Damari Alston down there at a Woodward Academy right outside of uh, of Atlanta that Carolina is in good standing with as well. Of the four, which duo would you want the Tar Heels to land the most in this 22 cycle? Uh, In terms of that question, um, in terms of my internal ranking from watching uh, the film on each of these guys, um, I have them ranked pretty much exactly how the 24-7 composite ranking has them. I have George Petway at the top. Marion Hampton after him, Michael Allen in third, and Mari Alston in fourth. So um, just by process of elimination, Mari Alston, which I also think is the running back with the least amount of interest of those four in North Carolina, I probably wouldn't include him in uh, my duo that I have to pick. So really, you know, any of those top three, whether it be George Petway, Mario Hampton, or Michael Allen, I would love to have any of those three guys really in combination. Uh, I would, of course, like to have um, you know George Petway and Moran Hampton if I could. Um, if it is Petway and Allen, that's fine. If it's Hampton and Allen, that's fine. Preferably Petway and Hampton if I had to pick two. Yeah. So yeah, with, with Alston, I, I think you're you're right. Um, you know, his his interest level is is 
it's hard to tell. I mean, he was a guy that uh, I'm not sure if he ended up coming up for the spring game, but he was looking to come up and, and attend the spring game. So clearly he still has interest in Carolina. You're not going to come up, watch a game, uh, a, a spring practice, basically, um, that was supposed to be and a, a, a was a rainy day in Chapel Hill if you don't have some interest in the university. So I definitely think that he's still a guy to keep an eye on. But I think you're right, um, and, and you know when you look at him, um, it, I've I've seen all four of the guys play a little bit. The least I the, the one I know the least about is is Allen, um, but that that's mainly because he was banged up for most of this junior year. Uh, he had an injury early in the season for JH Rose High School. Of course, Amari and Hampton, of course went down middle of the year for Cleveland High School, but it appears like he's going to be okay. There's nothing to worry about there, so that shouldn't hurt um, you know, really anybody's perception of what he could be going forward. Um, but yeah, I would say I think that to, to me, yeah, Hampton and, and, and Petaway are the two guys at the top that I think are head and shoulders above the other guys. I think Allen and Alston are kind of interchangeable. I think they're both kind of in that same area in terms of talent. I think both guys, um, you know, one's a little bit different than the other in terms of style, but um, I do think that talent level-wise, they, they are right in that same area. Um I'm with you. I think I think Petway and uh, and Hampton are probably the 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 duo that you would want the most. Um, but at the same time, I, I think you know really it, you, you could take Petway and then Hampton or Allen. I think would be your preference because. Petway's a guy that can kind of do multiple things for you. He's a little bit more of the slippery back. Uh, he's the guy that's uh, you know more of a finesse runner. Um, he's going to make things happen with the ball in his hand, whether it's you know handoff or catching the ball out of the backfield. So that's why I, I you know I think he's one of the guys that you've got to have uh, if you're looking at a duo. He's got to be one of the two guys in there because then when you get to Hampton and Allen, both of them are hard runners. They're both guys that are going to you know prefer probably to run inside the tackles. That's going to be where they're going to make uh, the bulk of uh, of their money uh, when it comes to them eventually having careers down the line at the NFL level. And you know I think Hampton's probably the more attractive because there's a lot of people that look at his game and compare him to Javante Williams. Um, he's also got a little bit better speed than Allen. He's a guy that can really fly. Um, but I think yeah, both of those guys I think are very very intriguing prospects with their fit uh, when it goes along with Petway, but if uh, when uh, Petaway, excuse me, but if um, if you had to pick one of the two, it would be Hampton. But I'm with you. I think any combination of those three, primarily, because you would still take the Hampton Allen combination as well. I think any of those. Th- those uh, three would be great, but I'm I, I would want Hampton and Petaway the most out of the group um, in terms of where Carolina stands with them. It feels like Hampton Carolina is in a really good spot with him, um, especially since the injury. I think there are a couple of teams that um, were pushing hard for him that may have backed off just a little bit, um, but it still seems like you know there there are going to be some big time suitors for him. Uh, Carolina has established themselves firmly in that race, though. 
Uh, Allen, you know, he was a guy that uh, it felt like NC State sort of got a little bit of an advantage. There were a couple of crystal balls that were cast for him to go to NC State, but Carolina has sort of fought their way back in that one. They've kept him, you know, at distance, uh, but they've made, you know, a little bit of a push to, uh, you know, potentially land themselves a... um, an official visit here at some point. I believe that the Carolina is going to get an unofficial visit from him during the month of June. I believe uh, they have said that he will take one official visit during the month of June and then a couple unofficial visits. I believe the official is going to be to East Carolina, but I could be wrong on that. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. Um, and then, you know, with Petaway, I, I think, you know, Carolina received from some crystal balls uh, for him. Um, I, I still think Carolina is pretty much in the driver's seat on that one. There are some other teams that are trying to make pushes there, but it still feels like Carolina is in a really good spot. So all three of these guys, I think Carolina has definitely got an opportunity to land. Uh, I, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier. We move on to the corners. The Tar Heels are in the race for both Dalen Everett and Jaden Lucas. When it comes to those two, which guy do you think that the Tar Heels have the best chance of landing right now? I think that is, um, it can be difficult to say, and I think you have to look at sort of where their recruitments are. And you'll see a lot of similar teams actually in both of these recruitments. Um, Both have North Carolina and Clemson featured prominently in their recruitments. Um, But in my opinion, I think that Jaden Lucas is essentially down uh, to North Carolina and Clemson. I think that he had Ohio State in there a little bit. Uh, but I really think that he's mainly down to those two, and as you mentioned, does have an official visit to North Carolina set for the weekend of June the 4th through the 6th, and then will be at Clemson the weekend after that. Um, In terms of his recruitment, he is not a Clemson fan. He has clarified that publicly, that his family are not Clemson fans. He's not a Clemson fan necessarily, but does live in that area. does have a lot of that influence, and has been to campus a ton of times. Now, Dre Bly has obviously done work there in terms of building those relationships, of recruiting him, and of having you know a puncher's chance in this recruitment. But I, I feel that Clemson has built a good lead. Um, flipping over to Dalen Everett, uh, he's a little bit more open, as you mentioned, has a little bit more of um, you know more potential suitors. Not only having North Carolina and Clemson as mentioned, but has I believe UGA. Uh, Florida State and Oregon uh, rounding out his top five. Now, I don't really know how much I consider Florida State or Oregon to be threats there, but uh, UGA I would definitely consider uh, to be a threat. And they're another team that Averitt will likely take an official visit to alongside North Carolina. Uh, But despite that race being a little bit more open, having a little bit more of those prime contenders, I actually feel that North Carolina might have a better chance in that recruitment as of this point. Um, as I mentioned with Lucas, I feel like Clemson built a pretty good lead where Everett feels a little bit more open. It feels like the Tar Heels really have a, a better position at this time with that you know Tidewater connection to Dre Bly as the quarterback's coach. I think that they've got you know a really good chance, or maybe so to say, a little bit of a, of a better chance for Averitt than they do for Lucas. Um, and I, I would actually go ahead and you know go out there and predict that they might be in the driver's seat for Averitt at this time, as surprising as that might be for some to hear. I'm, I'm right there with you. 
I think that that's kind of where you're starting to go with Everett, with everything that we've started to hear uh, coming out about him. Um, Clemson is 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 there, but you're right. They're not as prominently there with him as they were with Lucas. Where, um, you know, with Lucas, I mean, a couple months ago, we pretty much thought he was Clemson, that's a wrap. But he didn't make the commitment I think a lot of people were sort of wondering why. Um, most people, I think, just came to the conclusion that he wanted to take some of these official visits like a lot of guys do. And now there looks like, okay, maybe there is you know, a, a, a little bit of a crack in the door where somebody can creep in. But with Everett, yeah, it's more wide open. And I feel like, you know, Dre Bly has made a great push there and has an opportunity to, you know, potentially, as you said, be in the driver's seat. I think if they're not in the driver's seat yet, um, and again, if they are in the driver's seat, I mean, they just got in. Let's be honest. I mean, they, they are, they have barely started the car up, but if they're not in there yet, they've got a chance with this official visit. Um, you know, with, with Everett, you, you mentioned, you know, how big of a competitor is Florida. I would say Florida State is probably the bigger competitor of the two between them and Oregon, just because they're an in-state team uh, in terms of you know him going to IMG Academy. I also feel like that would be one of those big-time gets for Florida State that would sort of calm the masses for you know a, a fan base that is still in turmoil. Even under Mike Norvell, you know, they thought you know maybe another coaching change would help them there. It hasn't. It, everything right now is, is still in flux there. So that would be huge. They're still recruiting at a pretty solid level, but that would really make a statement there. So you would imagine that they are going to be pushing hard to try to get Dalen Everett uh, to Tallahassee. When it comes to Georgia, I think, yeah, when you look at their recruiting prowess, uh, especially when it comes to defensive backs, I mean, they've, they've been phenomenal there for the last couple of years. They just put uh, another group of extremely talented guys uh, in the NFL out of that defensive backfield. There's definitely a draw there for recruits whenever they are being recruited by Georgia. But there is one thing to remember here. They already have a cornerback commit in this class, a four-star in Marquise Groves Killebrew. So I don't know how much that plays into it. You can take multiple corners in a class and it's not going to be a problem. Um, But I still think that that could play a factor here. And you may be saying, well, could Carolina end up with both? I mean, it's possible, but I'm going to tell you, I don't really know if if you know the. It's not really from a Toriel perspective where they would turn guys away. Remember, they already have Tayon Holloway in this class, so they're not gonna more than likely uh, you know push Holloway out. I don't see that happening in order to get uh, both of these guys in there. Um, and at the same time, I don't think that if, you know, l- let's say one of the two commits, the other guy uh, that is uncommitted is going to say, well, you know, I'll, I'll be the third to join that class and just go there and compete. I mean, look, there are some guys that, you know, definitely are, are willing to compete. I don't think either one of these guys are not willing to do that. I think that the main thing is that you do want to go to a place where, uh, you know, there is still some opportunity to potentially play early. Uh, so you, you never really know. But I, I definitely think you're right. I think Everett uh, is the guy that you'll look at. Um, I do think, you know, there is an aspect to Lucas. You know, there, there's a guy that is going to visit campus. Carolina just recently offered him uh, Deuce Caldwell, who's listed as 
as an inside linebacker, can also, uh, he's kind of like one of those hybrid guys. Basically, uh, you know, he's either going to be an inside linebacker or a hybrid safety. He's going to be one of those two, and he's going to play in the box if he's a safety as well. Um, he, he comes out of, out of Malden High School as well, just recently offered. He'll be taking an official visit uh, in the month of June. If he was to commit to Carolina, and he, he, he seems pretty receptive to Carolina at this point, that could be a, a factor that could change things a little bit for Lucas uh, when it comes to Carolina and maybe put Carolina even more in the thick of things. But until then, I think Everett uh, is the guy that you got to go with out of the two. Uh, so we move on. Zach Rice scheduled four official visits in the month of June. Uh, of course, as we mentioned, he is going to visit Carolina on June 1st, but that is not an official visit. So he is uh, the only one of his top five uh, that will not be receiving an official visit are the Tar Heels. His mother did post on Twitter, though, after they finished up uh, setting those official visits, that they will be officially visiting Carolina at some point, though. Are you concerned at all about the fact that he is not taking one of his four official visits in the month of June to Chapel Hill? I would say there is at least a slight concern, uh, just that those were moved around and that that was the one that was dropped. I mean, in terms of where most people consider his interest to be, it would probably have Carolina, you know, pretty firmly at the top of that list or close to the top of that list in terms of his interest. So it's at least a slight concern, especially since, you know, the majority of the time with recruitments that Carolina is involved with, they're not going to land a guy if they don't receive an official visit or, you know, steady visits from him when he's going to other locations. So it, it, it is a slight concern just because of that. Um, now, I do want to preface, as, as you mentioned, you know, Zach's mom did mention that they would, um, you know, take the official visit another time. There are options outside of the weekends. I mean, it'll be one of the summer months. If they can work out, you know, the work schedule, you can go on official visits in the middle of the week for a few days. There's no issue with that. So I think that that would be, you know, a fairly likely um, you know, thing that could happen if they get that schedule worked out right, that they could, you know, have an official visit one weekend, have sort of a midweek official visit uh, in North Carolina, and then, you know, go, go right into the next set of uh, visits, whatever that next weekend's visit is. Um, but I think that this is a recruitment that Carolina needs to continue to watch. I don't think that this is a recruitment that is finished up by any means. I think, you know, really any of the top five schools that he has here has somewhat of a legitimate chance. Um, I, if I had to pick a top three, I think there is a distinct top three of North Carolina uh, Virginia and Alabama at this time. I don't think that Notre Dame or Ohio State are quite as high as those three. So those would be ones to watch. Virginia, obviously, as a team that he has family connections to and lives close to um, Alabama as the defending national champion. And then North Carolina school that he's visited a ton. I mean, it seemed like every time that there is an event, either a game this past fall or, you know, any interest in the spring game, we know that he was looking to go to that. Uh, there's been significant interest there. So it is a slight concern, but with the significant likelihood, um, he can take that official visit in June, albeit not on the weekends, and really just the interest that we've seen up until this point. Yes, yeah, I see, would pump the brakes on any concern there. 
Yeah, see, I'm I'm not I'm not really concerned at all because of what you just mentioned right there. He has been a frequent visitor on campus. Uh, expect even this past year, as you mentioned, this was this this past year, he was pretty much one of the only guys that was on campus at any point during the COVID year. So he's been there a, a ton. Uh, of course, he has a good relationship with Tony Grimes' dad. Um, so yeah, I think what you're probably looking at for him is is he's probably going to visit in season. That'll be when his official visit will take place, um, which is you know a, a really good chance for Carolina because they will be that final official visit to really make a, a strong statement. Um, and, and that's the thing. Like I think people are kind of worried that he's going to take those four official visits and then he's just going to make his decision there. I don't think that's necessarily the case because as you mentioned, I. I I do think um, you're you're starting to see some of those teams separate. Which I mean, that's that's interesting that you say that you know a- Alabama, Virginia are the two teams that are the threat. Because remember uh, earlier, or er, back in what was it? It was in Dece- late December, early January. There was a lot of buzz around the fact that him and Gunnar Gibbons. Uh, the five-star offensive tackle prospect from the mountain areas of Virginia, uh, they were going to potentially team up and just and go to Ohio State. That that prospect has pretty much been backed off, and now you know, yeah, pretty much what you said. There are a lot of people that have kind of pushed Ohio State almost out of the running for him at this point. Um, you know, they they he's, they're still in his top five, but at this point, most people think that you know they're they're probably further down on that top five than some of the other top competitors. So. Um. Yeah. I. I just. I. I'm not really all that concerned about. If he was a guy that hadn't been to Carolina at any point before, or had only been there once or twice, I might be saying to myself, "Okay, this is a little concerning, especially with the fact that people thought this was one of the top contenders." But he's been there so often. He's got so many connections to the campus that it just feels like he's going to want to look at these other schools, kind of compare them to what he's seen from Carolina before, and then potentially take that one last visit to Carolina and see, look, is this the place that I want to be? Uh, how exactly does this stack up to the other official visits? What's different about this official visit than some of the unofficials that I've taken here? Everything like that. And I think eventually he'll compare that. I mean, look, you know, as of right now, from what, what's been rumored, he is taking a June 1st unofficial too. So even though he's not taking an official visit to Carolina during the month of June, he feels like it is necessary to still go back to campus, a place where he's been multiple times, and take another visit there. So I think that should show you right there that you shouldn't be overly concerned about this. Last question that we'll get to here before we move on and wrap this up. The Tar Heels' last commitment in the 22 cycle was back when Malachi Hammer committed on February 26th. Do you think that the Tar Heels will land a new commitment to the class in the month of June? I would say that they should get at least one commitment in the month of June. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just in terms of the general schedule that we're looking at, of course, as we've mentioned, uh, recruiting will open up in June. Uh, Across the country, you're going to have kids on campus, not necessarily every day, but pretty much every weekend and then multiple days throughout the week. And then all over June, they'll be having camps on campuses around the country and everything along those lines. And I think another uh, piece to look at in this puzzle is that um, 
Carolina background and the Carolina staff really prefer to save those official visits until the fall of big And they want kids to have that true Tar Heel game day experience. They want to be able to give them the quality time of a fall weekend and really give them that experience as opposed to uh, you know coming on campus in the summer uh, when everything is empty. So with that said, we're seeing guys coming in and officially visiting here in June, which doesn't really match up with that. So, you know, sort of what you can interpret from that, uh, if you want to, or extrapolate, is that these guys that we're seeing come on campus, these are guys that are, you know, looking to take their visits and likely commit either at the end of June or moving into July and August. And I think when, you know, you compare these guys that we mentioned on the unofficial list, you look at, you know, the number of the in-state guys they have, it's very likely um, that Carolina has at least one commitment in the month of June. I would say probably even more likely that they have um, one or more commitments throughout the months of July and August as these kids sort of finish up their visits and move into time when they can make their decisions. But I'd say at least one in June. I would agree with you. I, I think where it's going to come from is, is going to be interesting. Is it going to be... Um, you know, from one of these official visits, as you mentioned, the camps are always interesting as well because that's one of those areas where there might be somebody that um, you know maybe wasn't wasn't on your radar. You end up offering them there; they accept on the spot. That's happened before. Um, there's also some guys that are going to come out there that you know may have been on the fence uh, about making a decision, end up pulling the trigger on a decision there. So, so I think there are going to be you know some some interesting names that are going to get some buzz. Um, but I do think I, I think one of the guys that takes an official visit will commit. Um, I. Now, I'll say this. I'm not going to throw a name out there. Um, I'm going to write an article uh, here over the next uh, you know, week or so that w- where we'll go through and, and try to predict that next uh, guy that Carolina could potentially land. I've done it before. Uh, it's a really fun article, so I'm going to do that one again. But here's the thing. I don't know if it's going to be – I I don't think it's going to be one of the big names. I, I don't think it's going to be Everett. I don't think it's going to be Lucas. I think those guys are going to wait. They're going to wait. As you mentioned, they – it may come down in June or August, um, but I think they are going to wait a little bit and kind of let all of these official visits play out, and then they'll figure out what exactly they want to do uh, in terms of where they want to go. But I do think that it it could be one of those those high end three stars. Um, maybe, you know, even one of the four stars that ends up popping for Carolina. So uh, I, I agree with you. I think one of the guys that comes on campus, um, I, I think Carolina will land someone. But I think the months that you're going to be keeping an eye on on July and August, and, um, you know, I, I think there, you know, I've, I've seen it a couple of times. There are some people that are concerned about the fact that Carolina hasn't landed anybody on the recruiting trail since Malachi Hamrick. There's no reason to be concerned. The minute that they said that they were re- that that they were lifting the recruiting dead period, pretty much anybody that was thinking about potentially making a a commitment outside of a handful of guys, uh, pretty much put everything on hold and said, look. 
let's just wait until we can get on campus and make these decisions. That's all over the country. We have not seen a, a ton of guys committing. There have been a few here and there, but for the most part, especially the the, the big name guys at the top of, of a lot of these teams recruiting boards, they have stayed put they're looking to get on campus and then they'll you know go from there evaluate things and make their decisions so there's no reason to be concerned about that at all um but yeah i I do think carolina lands one in june and then you'll extend it into the summer and you could see a couple of guys uh, adding their name to that class uh once you get into july and august so that finishes it up for this edition of the podcast that will shut it down with some news and notes from around Tar Heel football. Of course, one of the main uh, news uh, and, and newsworthy uh, things that you saw over the last couple of days uh, was that the Torials did schedule a home-and-home home series with the South Carolina Gamecocks. So, of course, Carolina has the second game uh, of the, uh, I, I guess now it's called the Dukes Mayo Kickoff Classic. They, they you know, they changed sponsors. It used to be the Belk, uh, the Belk Kickoff Classic uh, from a couple of years ago against South Carolina. That'll be in Charlotte. Uh, that's uh, coming up here. Uh, I believe that's next year uh, in in Charlotte to kick off the season. Uh, so, you know, Carolina hasn't hosted South Carolina. Um, it, it'll be when they, when they cycle around to hosting South Carolina in 2029, it will be 22 years since the last time that they met each other uh, in Keenan Stadium. So uh, that's going to be really interesting, welcoming them in again. It's that, that'll be the second game of that home-and-home home series for uh, 2028 and 2029. Uh, the prior year, Carolina will go to williams Bryce Stadium to play the Gamecocks. Of course, we remember uh, back in 2014, Carolina opened their season there against the Gamecocks. So uh, it'll be interesting. We'll see what Carolina is able to do. Um, in terms of you know that, that that matchup is is one that's sort of becoming a rivalry. I, I don't know if it would be classified up there with some of the others that you see in the ACC, but this I, I think continues to show that Carolina is doing everything possible to try to make that into uh, you know may, maybe not a bitter rivalry, but one that you know Carolina has some history in. They'll play each other rather often, um, and definitely something that's worth uh, keeping an eye on over the next couple of years. See. If they try to get each other on the schedule, even in between there. Uh, five Tariels did take part in rookie mini camps this past weekend. Uh, you know, rookie mini camps throughout the NFL. Uh, a bunch of guys uh, for Carolina were uh, in attendance, and of course, the focus you know on guys like Michael Carter, Javante Williams, Diami uh, Brown, and you know some good things coming out about them. But I think the guy that really surprised a lot of people was Daz Newsom out at Bears camp. You know, he he was a guy that was taken in the sixth round. We didn't really know how much of a role he would have out there. And he uh, reportedly really impressed a lot of the coaches out there. So that's great news for Daz Newsom. He'll have a chance to push and attempt to make that Chicago Bears roster for the 2021 season that is coming up in the fall. Uh, the Tar Heels did receive 2020 season rings. We're going to talk about this a little bit more on the next edition of the podcast that I do with John. 
Josh Marlowe. He uh, really wants to talk through this. Uh, they received them, of course, state championship rings uh, because they went undefeated in the state of North Carolina this past year and did go to the Orange Bowl. Those were handed out the other day from Mac Brown and his staff to the players. And uh, 13 Tar Heels land on Athlon Sports preseason All-ACC teams. Those were announced yesterday. Uh, first team, Sam Howell, Joshua Izudu. Uh, uh, second team, you've got Tony Grimes uh, and Raymond Vohasek. Third team, Ty Chandler, Trey Morrison, and Jordan Tucker. And the fourth team, you got Brian Anderson, Josh Downs, Storm Duck, Tamari Fox, Taman Fox, and Ben Kiernan. I uh, definitely think Josh Downs will be a guy that uh, has a chance to climb up uh, onto uh, some of those, you know, th- those first and second team All ACC uh, teams whenever we're talking about them in the postseason from uh, the conference. But we'll keep an eye on all that stuff going forward. Some other news that'll be coming out over the next couple of months uh, throughout Tar Heel football as we get into the offseason, all on the website, heeltuffblog.com. That's the place where you can check out. Uh, all the articles that we've got up there right now, um, you know, things have definitely slowed down a little bit. Well, we've got the update on, uh, you know, the recruiting trail for you guys. Uh, we did that uh, sort of recapping the last, you know, month and a half so or so uh, of Tario football recruiting. Of course, we've got, you know, some of the recent offers that are on there. We tell you about uh, the guys that are going to visit campus uh, during the month of June and uh, tell you, you know, pretty much everything that you need to know about the recruiting trail and where Carolina stands at this point uh, in the 2022, 23, 24, and even 25 Cycle with some of their recent offers and uh, and and some of the visits that will be coming up for the Tar Heels. Uh, of course, as I mentioned, you know there is going to be an article going up where we're going to predict who will be the next member of the 2022 class. I'll be doing that one, so make sure that you guys are keeping an eye out for that on the website. And there'll be a couple other really fun articles that we'll be putting up over the next couple of weeks. A lot of them involving the recruiting trail, and of course, you don't want to miss any of the scouting report articles that we're going to continue to do throughout the summer, which are going to continue going to take looks at some of those guys that we just talked about. You know, Caden Helms the, the the tight end from Nebraska. We are going to be taking a look at him before he gets on campus for his official visit. So that one will be going up there soon. Uh, also, you know, we got one going up about uh, Jane Lucas going up there soon. So that'll be an interesting one for you guys to check out. And plenty of other guys that will be going over uh, over the next couple of weeks. So make sure that you guys keep uh, it tuned to HeelToughBlog.com. That's also a place where you can check out the podcast. The Heel Tough Blog podcast has its own tab. The Four Corners podcast has its own its own tab. Of course, that's the rebranded version of the Roy's Voice podcast uh, with Roy Williams retiring. Uh, So that's up there on the website. You guys can check all of that out and uh, make sure that uh, while you're there, uh, you you make you uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on any of your podcast platforms as well. That rating and reviewing helps us move up some of the rankings and the subscribe feature is for you so that you won't miss an episode of the podcast. We are expecting once again to have some former players on this summer, so you do not want to miss 
any of that along with all these other great recruiting and uh, off-season additions of the podcast as well. Uh, last thing we did want to tell you is make sure to check out the Facebook and Twitter pages. Uh, Facebook, best place for everything. You can like uh, and follow the Facebook page. That will allow you to see all of the additions of the podcast in there, including the video versions that we put up there for you guys as well, the waveform versions right now. But eventually we will get back into the video versions once we get closer to the season uh, with our studio that we have gotten back. That's a big thing for us. And then uh, also all those articles that we mentioned, those will be right there as well. Or if you want to follow us on uh, Twitter, you can follow uh, the, the Twitter page at HeelToughBlog on Twitter. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank Zach for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Heels!